This is Social Media Blues. I am Elsa Figueroa, and I am your hostess. This is episode one. So, to start off our first episode, I wanted to talk about what Social Media Blues is, how I got the idea for it, and of course, who I am. And I also wanted to put things a little bit more in context by talking about my special relationship with tech and my history um, through the different technologies that have evolved over the years that I have been alive. So social media blues, what is it and why? I got the idea for this podcast last Saturday uh, while I was sitting on my couch And the reason was because I actually sometimes record myself talking about a topic that I'm struggling with, and it kind of helps me to just talk it out, even if I'm the only one who's going to listen to it. Sometimes I never even listen to it again, but just being able to record it and, and have a record of it kind of helps me through it. And in that process, I started talking kind of in a podcast voice, and as if I was addressing an audience and I started talking about social media. In my, in my case specifically, I have been struggling with social media for a few years. Um, it's overwhelming, it causes me a lot of anxiety, but I'm also in a bit of a bind because I am not someone that can just walk away from it. And that is the point of this podcast, is to talk about our struggles around social media and how to better manage them When you are a creative entrepreneur like me, a business person, someone that cannot disconnect from social media, mostly for business, networking, and artistic reasons. So, yeah, that's the point of this podcast. And I've been looking for other resources regarding this topic, specifically, for a while now, ever since I opened my new business, um, a professional translator and interpreter. I've been so for about, oh my God, how long has it been? Nine years. I've been a freelance translator and interpreter, but um, I'm also a dancer. I'm a belly dancer. And I recently opened a dance studio and art events venue. That was back in August. And so I had to take a much more diligent approach to social media marketing. I had to be much more consistent about it than I had been up to that point. I mostly use Facebook and Instagram. Um, I, I don't really get Twitter, but maybe hopefully in the future I will be able to do it. But for right now, that is mostly what I'm talking about in this podcast. But I think it applies to most social media platforms. So I started this new studio business and in the process... I had to learn to manage social media marketing content. I was seeing a coach, a social media marketing coach, who also offers services of being a social media content manager, but unfortunately I couldn't afford it at the time, so I decided to just go for it myself. Um, she provided consulting, and it definitely helped because it just kind of painted a clearer picture of what I was supposed to be doing, and it kind of led me down this path of researching more and reading more about it. 
it's not really something that you can just go ahead and do on your own without much guidance. Um, at least I can't. I don't have the intuition for it. So I have to learn it in a more strategic way. And I've been looking for resources to help me understand it better, but I've never really found anything specifically addressing mental health or people who have personal, individual issues with social media while also having to create social media marketing content. It's kind of a special bind that you can find yourself in. So when, for example, I look up resources around mental health and social media, it's always this thing of, oh, mental um, social media is, is bad for you, so walk away from it. Or this is how I walked, walked away from social media from, for nine months or whatever. And that's not really realistic if you're a creative entrepreneur or an artist or someone who needs to network constantly. So I wanted to, to create a space so that I could talk about these issues specifically and what I've been doing to help me share it with other people. Hopefully we can connect over this and you can also share back to me what you think and, and make suggestions so we can all learn together. So I'm really excited about that and I'm looking forward to it. So to provide a little bit of context about who I am, um, I was born in 1982 in Puerto Rico, which is where I live, and this is where I'm recording this. Um, being born in the 80s, at the top of the 80s, means that you don't grow up with the internet, but you're young enough when the, eventually the internet becomes mainstream, so that it still has an impact on your life, but it doesn't shape you the same way as the younger generations. Um, my dad was always... Uh, technology enthusiast, so we had video game consoles like Ataris and Nintendos at home. Um, actually, the Nintendo was the last video game console we had. After that, a PC popped up out of somewhere. Um, I was like eight, nine maybe. I'm not sure where this PC came from, but um, it was there. And we had floppy disks at the time. They were floppy because they were like this big square things that were actually literally floppy that's why they they were called floppy disks they they were a little bit thicker than a piece of paper well maybe that's an exaggeration but they were about as thick as a cardboard piece of cardboard so you inserted them and then you had access to the specific program or app that you were trying to access and back then the computers didn't have really any color. Um, it was just black and white. You were working mostly out of DOS. There was no operating system as such, like Windows um, at the time, or maybe it was in, in the process of being born, or maybe this computer was too old for its time. But I remember that's what we had. And then there was a computer lab in my school, and I don't remember learning anything at all, except that there was something called basic language, which is a programming language that was in use at the time. And all we ever did in computer class was just hang around. And every now and then we would have to make a Christmas tree. And that consisted of typing out 10 prints and a bunch of asterisks and then 
20, and hit enter, type 20 print, bunch of asterisks, enter 30 print, and so on and so forth, until you had created the shape of a Christmas tree that you could then print out. Ta-da! That was it. I don't know to this day what basic language actually did back then, but that was the extent of my experience with it. Um, and then around, I don't remember exactly the year, but I must have been 13 or so, and we got a computer at home. No, I was like in high school already. And we got um, a computer, duh, but also internet. Back then, if you didn't know, maybe, we used dial-up connection for the internet, which means we were taking up the phone lines to use the internet. You would dial it in and it took long time and make this weird noise and you were basically using up the phone line. So that created a lot of tension in the house when your mom needed to use a phone. And um, yeah, that was it. That was it. I, I used it mostly to go in chat rooms, talk to people from other countries, mostly the US. I, I got to practice my English there, which was nice. Uh, I'll look up um, music artists' information, song lyrics, so that I could understand what actually they were saying because I could read English, but I wasn't very good at understanding it, especially if it was song. So I needed the extra help. And I would look up literature, actually. I, I, would, I was always a bookworm. And there were a bunch of things I wanted to read, but... We don't have a public library in Puerto Rico, so I didn't really have access to that, to that resource. So, and I didn't, I couldn't afford to buy books, so the internet helped with that. And yeah, that was it for several years. Then um, I didn't have my first cell phone till I was in college. It was actually, I was was it maybe 2004 or so because all the payphones were disappearing so my mom got me a cell phone a flip phone of course and then I had a flip phone up until about 2012 if you can imagine that the iPhone had been around for a while I saw my first iPhone when I was in grad school I was 28, one of my classmates had an iPhone 1, that was in 2009, and I remember being actually horrified by it. I remember seeing her just constantly checking it, looking at it, and talking about how wonderful it was, and all it could do, and all I could think was, oh my god, I can't believe like you can be on all the time, like on email, on Facebook, on all of that all the time. That was horrifying to me at that moment in time. And so it took me a long time to to um, to get one, but eventually I did. And I got it because when I started freelancing, I needed to have access to my email all the time because that is how screwed up the freelancing world is. And you have to, if somebody, some client emails you about a project you have to be able to answer right away or you might lose the opportunity. So that was my main motivation for getting a smartphone. And I got an iPhone 4 
That was my first one. Um, that was back in 2012. Um, social media, actually, I got on Facebook in 2005. I was in an exchange program in France, and this girl told me about it. And I got on it, and it seemed really cool at the time. I remember it was, it felt very organic. It, it didn't seem to break too much of what had come before, but it was revolutionary enough that it was interesting. It allowed me to stay in contact with people that I had met there, and it was pretty manageable. I didn't feel like I had to be on it constantly. It was kind of like email. It wasn't anything crazy. And then I think what changed is that they introduced the algorithm, because it used to be a linear timeline before, but when they introduced the algorithm a few years ago, it changed the whole setup of the thing on how, how many posts or whose posts you saw or what you saw before, uh, whatever else, or at what time. So it just kind of changed the nature of how the content was delivered. And I think that's where kind of things got crazy because then people started using different strategies to try to game the algorithm. And it's maybe those strategies that have made everything so overwhelming. And I remember that I got on Instagram first because of that change, um, because Instagram at the time was still following the linear timeline approach, and it seemed still more manageable. I could see just images, but then Facebook acquired Instagram and it changed everything again. And now I get all these ads on Instagram as well as Facebook and even if it's not ads, it's just like everybody's behaving like they're trying to sell you something, even if it's just their wonderful life. And, you know, it just makes it kind of a bit of a mindfuck in general. So that's basically it. I wanted to talk about my relationship with social media, how it has evolved, and my reaction to the different technologies as they have come up. Um, and why I can't walk away from social media and why I struggle with it. I am hoping to post more about these topics and to hear more from you. I'll leave you information in the notes about how to reach out and leave your feedback. Thank you for listening.